Hey Zwifters, I'm Simon Schofield and this is the Zwiftcast coming up on this episode. It's new Rhodes Day and they're neon. How has the latest and very different extension to Umetsi gone down with us and in the Zwift community? As probably the hardest working trainer in the known universe gives up the ghost, how durable should these expensive machines be? And is there to be a new home for Swift World Records? Well, we're in their darkest shades and striving to fight off the motion sickness of all those curves are my companion day route, the usual crew. One Shane Miller, a.k.a. GP Llama, and the one and only Nathan Guerra, a.k.a. The Gorilla. Welcome both. G'day, Shane. Uh, there was only ever going to be one topic at the top of this show, every Zwifter's favourite day, new roads. How we love new roads. We love new roads more than anything, even battery boosters and pace partners. So the snap verdict from Down Under, shame mates. Good day, by the way. How much do you love Neo Kyo? Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Uh, did, did I say I didn't like what I saw initially? Because it's actually not too bad. There's a lot of new badges to collect and there's a lot of roads to get lost on. If you've seen a recent live stream of mine, there was much hilarity as I got lost on the rooftops and couldn't find my way down. But lots of Ks in and uh, look, I don't mind it. And the arcade, it's, it's grown on me. So it gets my tick of approval. It does. Tickle <laughs> um, slightly lukewarm, I think. Slightly lukewarm. We'll explore, but we'll explore that later. More, more from the acerbic Aussie later on. Tearing himself away from that arcade in Neokyo to ride his bike around the rest of the route. I'm sure. Nathan, yo, dude. Same for you, friend. The top line: hit or miss? Yeah, I'd have to say this is definitely hit for me. I love the shorter routes that are on Neokyo. I like. It feels like a very much crit style that can happen as far as racing goes. Um, definitely a hit for me. I'm loving the neon lights. Lots of interaction to be able to go on there. So um, one of the best uh, releases I've seen so far. Whoa, high praise, high praise. Well, more from those two in a little while, but let's cast our net a little wider, as we like to do on the momentous occasion when Zwift roll out new asphalt. Let's talk to prominent Zwifter Sarah LaRock. She's been here since beta and knows her Zwift onions. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much, Simon. Glad to be here. What do you think of it? Well, I spent the weekend going through all of the route badges, trying to attack all the roads from both directions and very much trying to catch everything the first, second and third time through. And I'm sure for several weeks to come, I'm going to be catching more details that Zwift snuck into a fantastic world. And looking at the performance, the transitions between Umezi and Neokio and really trying to put it through its paces in a limited amount of time. And well, it comes as no surprise, I'm sure, to anybody who's interacted with me that I have complicated opinions, but on balance, they are very positive. <laughs> well, that's why we asked you on. We like complicated opinions. So, okay, well, let's try and break this down then. Give us, give me the kind of top line positive. What do you like about it? Well, I think in general, for those of us who have been on the platform from early days, obviously your beta folks through maybe your early 2017 recruits, we're in a place where we're kind of exhausting the runway in terms of those things in the core game that are new and exciting for us to unlock. We've pretty much gone through all the root badges several times over. 
We haven't seen new levels for a couple of years. And in terms of, you know, things like our long form challenges, I won't throw salt in the wound for the Tron bike. I will leave that to Shane and Nathan. But we haven't seen new challenges added in the last couple of years. So I think Zwift realizes that we do face some staleness. So I think adding in Mercury Islands as a whole, but Neokio is a necessary and a very intelligent strategy to keep things fresh for us. And I can see as much as we want to see more entering into the 2020 era era in terms of graphics, I think Zwift is doing the best with what they can with the game engine. I see a lot more depth, detail, creativity, trying to look at the different angles, looking at everything that's in there, even the roads, the, the dimpling, the little potholes, oil spots, faded lane lines. It's much different than some of the repeating patterns that we've seen in some of the more legacy worlds. And I will give credit that there's just so much creativity here. The arcade is extremely fun. And like I said, you're going to go through these worlds and see things brand new, even if it's your fifth, sixth, seventh time through some of these roads. So I think they've done a great job in terms of making something fun and different. Absolutely right. I mean, different is a key word, actually, and I think it will crop up a number of times as we discuss the new world amongst uh, you and the other contributors to this. And detailed and visually rich as well. I think they're probably also keywords. I mean, one thing that I noticed, uh, which was very pleasurable, actually, climbing uh, up to the elevated section, they have uh, given you views over your shoulder so you can see other riders coming up the coming up the hairpins. And I, that, that kind of detail, that, that feels quite new and fresh and different within the framework of something that's, as you quite rightly point out, you know, just more Zwift. So, I mean, the, 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 the visual richness is absolutely stunning. I completely agree with you. Okay, reservations then. You said you had complicated views. What, what, are, some, what are some of the what are some of the things that are perhaps counter to, um, to what we've just been saying? Um, I think one of the things that stands out is the futuristic element. And to be clear, the futuristic element is futuristic in a way that is realistic. So you can kind of see that this could exist somewhere, but it might not be appealing in terms of a matter of taste. Now, I don't think this is going to suffer the same fate as New York City, where I just don't think the translucent roads landed with people. In fact, to your point about the railways and the rooftops, I remember thinking when I first rode on those routes that this is what New York City should have been. This is what we should have seen. And this is something that you could see in a metropolitan area where you have highways or railways that go up in between the the skyline. And I think that's fantastic. But who is it for? And I think many of us are coming from outdoor riding first and have moved into Zwift to augment indoor training and to do it in a fun and social way. And when we go out and maybe I'm speaking out of turn here and I don't want to speak for anybody else, but... If I were to ride anywhere I could and I can clear the traffic out for a day, it's probably not in a city. It's probably somewhere with open views (laughs) and mountains and nature, right? So that's just my matter of taste. But I also know that there's a a demographic of folks that are very bullish on the gamification and want more fantasy and more power-ups and special effects. So maybe this is for them. I think it remains to be seen when the novelty wears off where that demographic lands in terms of daily riding. And I think the other piece is just performance, just throwing a couple of my files through Zwiftalyzer, and I know that Shane came up with some similar results on one of his live streams, rather, is I'm seeing a frame rate drop. And I usually am pinned at about 60 frames per second, and I can clearly see that I'm about 8 to 12 frames lower. I don't notice it to the eye, but it is interesting to see that kind of lag on a pretty well-equipped system at 4K. So that might change as some of the population goes down. I'm not sure, but just something that stood out. 
Yeah, no, I mean, it, it, it's definitely a point, uh, a point that is hammered home by, shall I say, the slightly nerdier end of the, of the Swift universe. Uh, I do think most people don't care about frame rate, but the fact is that some people do, and some people spend a whole lot of money to get the absolute best possible experience, and um, that map in particular does kind of let itself down on frame rate a bit. As you say, I'm sure it's something that, they, well, I know it's something they're aware of, uh, and I'm sure they will try to address that in the future. I think your point also about, if I can simplify that point, I think it is we ride bikes because we love being outside and Watopia kind of replicates that outside feeling, that sun in your face, wind in your hair kind of feeling, which the city doesn't. Having said that, let me ask you to, con to consider this one, Sarah. It, Sarah, it's, um, it's very, very, very different. And if Zwift is to continue to offer something which is going to appeal to people who might want to be using it, you know, five, six days a week in the wintertime, then the, the visual canvas needs to be wide. I, I agree. And I can see even from my own use, you know, I'm not a person who hangs out in New York City really ever, to be perfectly honest, but I can see wanting to dip into Neokio for something like a high intensity interval session. It's flat. It's fast. The... Mm scenery really matches in terms of energy and production with your energy in terms of a workout. I think races will be fantastic. I can imagine Nathan commentating on a race in a very exciting area. So it does give you the variety that you're looking for. Is everybody going, is, excuse me, is everybody going to be landing there every single time they ride? Absolutely not. But I do think that the variety is key to keeping us kind of fresh on the platform. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Now I'm going to I'm going to raise this as a point of discussion with you. However, about racing and by extension group riding on uh, in Neokyo, there are so many curves and twists and turns that I can you know in a big group of a hundred a hundred hundred rendered riders that's hard to say <laughs> um, you are going to get something close to uh, motion sickness I think. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I also thought to the extent that in, until we have a few weeks on this expansion, it's going to be tough for any type of strategy as well. We've all known some of yeah. these routes inside out and backwards. We know every way to take every corner and the exact power we need to replicate in order to make a move, make a break. And in something like Neokio, it's going to take us a while to get our bearings and understand those curves. And I'm curious to see how the pack dynamics will play out in this this new expansion because it, it's uncharted territory for all of us. Yeah, absolutely agree. Final question, Sarah, how do you think y you will use this map? I mean, I, I, I've got a slightly, I, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's not an unusual view, but I haven't written it a couple of times. I, do you know what? I think I might use this on my, I really don't want to ride hard days. You know, the, I'm not going to, tag myself onto a group ride that's a bit faster than is comfortable and thrush my guts out I'm gonna ride around probably on my own well you're never on your own in Zwift but you know not in an organized group ride and I'm just going to enjoy the immense visual richness of it I'm not going to push myself very hard it'd be almost it'd be like a rest day ride for me can you see that chiming with with more than just me no, I agree entirely. I think that 
many of us who are looking to do kind of that easy ride. I mean, Kara Cadence is a very popular pace partner, partially because you get a high return on investment for your speed. You can tack on a lot of mileage for kind of a, a lower endurance effort for many of us. And I think that, you know, our options for those flat and fast courses are actually pretty exhausted. You know, we've all done Tempest Fugate more times than we'd like to admit to London. This is a longer route or set of routes in terms of flat, fast courses. And like you said, you can take it easy. You don't have a lot of terrain interference and you can just look around. And like I said, you're going to find those Easter eggs over and over again for weeks to come. Say, I didn't notice that neon sign before. I didn't notice that cat sitting on the edge there before. So I think it's great for that type of use case. Yeah. Completely agree. Absolutely agree. Uh, well, I think that's a very uh, astute and interesting assessment of the new roads. Thank you very much indeed for that, Sarah. And uh, we hope to hear from you again. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Simon. Right on. Uh, well, some good points made there by Sarah Shane. Performance. I mean, uh, it affects only a tiny, tiny, tiny slice of the Zwift universe, those people who obsess about frame rates, but, you know, it matters to some people. And I don't think we've seen, at least I'm not taking part yet, in any really big group rides on Neo Kyo. Um, as we record, Eric Min's Thanksgiving Day ride is only a few hours away. I'm actually not even sure what, what course that is on. I'd be amazed if it wasn't Neo Kyo. But the broader point... Um, uh, do you think uh, Zwift developers are sat there holding their breath, waiting to see what will happen when uh, when we get big groups? Yeah, look, hold on to your potatoes, everybody. They're going to struggle. Um, the original Umazy was a bit of a struggle for it. This is next level chug, I shall call it. Um, on my machine, which is a nice sort of gaming rig with a, an RTX 2060 for the, for the nerdiest of us all who understand that, it ran at about 48 frames a second. And then when I moved into the old roads on that new world does that make sense yes it went up to 60 frames a second again which is the limit that i have it set on so it, it pushes systems pretty hard and for those of us who like to have that smooth 60 frames a second um it's it could do with some optimization but the large group rides are going to be very very interesting so i um yeah i'll sit back and watch those yeah i mean just no, nobody knows i don't think um nathan aesthetically I, uh, uh, rather than performance wise i i also wonder about the large group rides because the never-ending turns which i love i have to say because the vista changes like almost every 10 seconds and you get to see so much and nothing stays the same in your field of view but I just wonder if you're in a pack of 100 riders and you're changing direction every 0.3 milliseconds, how's that going to look? Uh, the new pack dynamics will help, of course, but how do you think it's going to look? Yeah, it'll be a little bit difficult to hold on to the pack maybe as well and kind of keep track of where things are at. Uh, definitely going to need, well, we'll see how it goes. We haven't had too much feedback yet from what I've seen as far as uh, struggling PCs, I think potatoes are going to get pushed here, definitely. And I think that also the larger group rides and making sure that everything's kind of sticking together. One of the things I did see a lot of chat about was, oh, no, there goes one. Oh, no, there goes another one. Oh, no, where did the pack go? So, like, in the chat, actually, on Neokio already, I have seen a couple of people talking about, maybe not being able to find their way around a large pack and stick with it. So that'll be interesting to see how that ends up playing out. But um, it will definitely push uh, people maybe to upgrade some systems, it sounds like. 
Well, that may not be a bad thing, and we're going to get into that in a little more detail later on in in the podcast. Uh, for my part, I love it, actually. I love it. I was a bit sceptical when I saw the kind of sneak peeks, the, the very few sneak peeks that we got. Um, I was a bit like, mm, a little bit Blade Runner for me. But actually, I just think, you know, I think as, as the point Sarah made, uh, it's just more of the same of Zwift is kind of fine, but this is more of different Zwift. And I think that's that's a really good move by uh, by HQ, actually. Um, it, 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 I know you, Shane, perhaps feel this as well. It's not, it doesn't feel cycling, air quotes. You know, it doesn't feel like proper cycling. But, but do we care about that anymore? I don't think we do. We've got used to riding around in the middle of volcanoes and underwater tunnels. So this takes it even far away, further away from that kind of, you know, the beautiful outdoors simulation into something a bit more kind of futuristic and Blade Runner, yeah, but you know we need something different, don't we? The time marches on; things have got to change. We have the option to choose. We've got traditional cycling on all the other courses, except for New York. I'm not sure what's going on there. That's the future. Um, but yeah, the others we still have, and I'm fingers are crossed to still for some expansion on Watopia, especially some long gravel roads out the back of Tempest Fugit one day. Um, but it's something different. Yeah. It is, and different is good. Well, as is traditional, we love tradition here on the Zwiftcast. As is traditional, on these occasions, we go live to almost the farthest reaches of Northern California and the global headquarters of the Zwift Insider Empire to speak to the numero uno, Eric Slanger. Is there a more exciting day than New Tarmac? There is not. The best, the best day in Zwift land. You know, with no shadow of a doubt. And I think that view is probably shared by, well, I'm going to make up a random statistic here, 97.8% of Swifters. Top line, like it or not? Yeah, I like it. I think it's uh, it's different. Going into it, I'll tell you, I'll, I confess, I kind of thought it was going to be like an Asian New York City based on the images I'd seen. What I've found is it feels to me... After riding Miyokyo, New York City now feels like they plopped a set of roads down in the middle of a, a cityscape where you just kind of see buildings around you. Whereas Neokyo to me feels like you're actually riding in a city. I feel like I could turn down any of the side roads, even though you can't. But it's like it's a fully developed city and you're just riding through it. Well, I'm going to give you an instant aphorism here because I, I completely agree with all of that. Uh, Neokio succeeds where New York failed. But I think part of New York's challenge is it's, it's not very flat. So that you, you never feel like you can just kind of go for an easy ride there. But I do think, yeah, uh, New York definitely feels like it... It was just they, you know, they put Central Park in, which people who've ridden in Central Park love. I never have, so it's not. There's nothing special about it for me. Uh, but they they just kind of plopped Central Park in and put some roads above Central Park, and then just surrounded it with, you know, images of a city. It's, it's kind of the feeling you get. You, they could definitely build it out, I think, and make it just as interesting as as Umezi. If they built those roads out and you were going through city streets and you had flit, flat, like crit style roads and stuff, but uh, but yeah, I think Neokyo, I think they, I think they did it justice. I think they they hit the target for sure. Um, two points you've made, uh, both of which uh, strike chords with me. Uh, one is use of the word different, and I think that is such a kind of distinguishing characteristic of this it is 
well, of course, it's just more roads, and of course, it's just more swift, you know. But it, it's an order of magnitude different from anything else we've seen in terms of visual richness, richness detail, artistic license, and latitude. I think. Yeah, difficult to disagree with. I, uh, I I've never traveled to Tokyo, uh, but I have. I know a lot of folks who have. In fact, a, a mutual friend of ours, Mr. Daniel Lidard, I remember once told me, he said, Eric, I've been all over the world and a lot of places they feel like, they feel familiar to me, like like anywhere in Europe and even in America, he said, feels familiar to me. But he said, but, but when I went to, I don't remember which, uh, I think it was Tokyo, he said, it, it felt like I was going to the moon. Because everything's the whole culture is so different, and everything surrounding you is different, and I think that's the difference. I think you these. I think the whole whole McCurry Islands map just has that an altogether different feel from what us you know us as Anglo's us Westerners are used to, and that's refreshing. I think it's super cool. As you say, looking at it through 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 Western eyes as well, just that kind of sensory overload, which I know is, is a common kind of cliche about. Far Eastern cities, some in South, South Korea, the same, I think. Um, but yeah, very, very different. And kudos to them for having the courage to do that, I think. Now, on to usability. I feel this will be my go-to route, route, as you would say, for um, for an easy day. Okay, which, which feels a bit kind of discordant because there's nothing easy on the eye about it. But because it's kind of so flat and because there's so much to look at and so much visual distraction, on those days where I just want to get on and ride and I don't want to be with the group and I don't want to be chasing wheels and I don't want to be killing myself, I, I'm pretty sure this is where I'll go. Yeah, I don't see why not. I think I think the whole the whole McCurry Islands map is a, a, a pretty good kind of a, a secondary map if Swift was going to enable another one for all the all time next to Watopia, I wouldn't mind it being McCurry Islands now. There's because you've got some nice flat routes, you've got lots of segments in there. If they're if they add some pace partners, which I know they're they're planning on doing in other worlds at some point soon, uh, you know, that'd make it even better. Just hop in. I, I know you've got a special place in your heart for formerly the the artist formerly known as coco and if she if she was to show up i don't i don't think we'd ever get simon out of neokio if if you could choose final question if you could choose the very next extension uh which world and i'm going to give you give you uh, only going to give you a choice of two which world would you like to see the next one to be extended watopia or yeah 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 japan i'm going to say I'd like to see. I'd like to see Japan, Macquarie Islands, uh, built out more, because because Swift has said that's what they intend to do, and because I'd like to see another large map, and and not just one large map. I'd like to. I'd like to have a couple, um, and because I think Macquarie Islands could could really do with some longer climbs. I mean, the longest climb on it is seven or eight minutes, so having a Having something that's like a twenty-minute, twenty-five-minute climb, um, and just and just more length of roads, so that you can have a, you know, a hundred-kilometer route that covers covers most of the most of the map. I'd like to see I'd like to see both of those just to kind of get it to the point where it feels like 
it really is a fully developed map. Like I feel like London could be considered a fully developed map, uh, but that's the only one other than Watopia that feels like it's it's big enough. I'm not saying I wouldn't love them to be bigger, but they feel like they're developed. All the other ones feel like they kind of they launched them and just and walked away and went went on to something else, which isn't necessarily always bad, but but I think you do need more maps that are have that developed feel and have a lot of options in them. Yeah. Could we be more Zwiftery? They, they release the biggest, or maybe not the biggest, but the most ambitious, most visually spectacular, most crazy extension forever. And we're like, okay, fine. What's next? <laughs> <laughs> it's the okay. world we live in, Simon. I, I blame, I blame the environmental influences. Yeah, <laughs> quite right too. Okay, well, uh, lovely to hear your views on it, Eric. Always much respected and uh, uh, lots of people pay attention to them and quite rightly. Thank you very much for now. We will hear from you on another matter entirely later in the podcast. Thanks for now, Eric. Sounds good. Right on! Okay, well, do you know what, fellas? I think with uh, those two highly informed opinions, what we've said already, I think we've, we've pretty much got this one covered, haven't we? Um Nathan, probably worth just a quick chat. Uh, I know we've skirted around it a little, but a quick chat. A good racing course, do you think? I do think it's going to be a good racing course. I think it's got some sharp, uh, punchy little climbs. I think we can get really creative with it. Um, I'm really looking forward to how we're going to be using a lot of these turns. Uh, it, you know, it, There's just a lot of options, it seems like, when it comes to all the different courses. Picking up a couple of route badges now already, and seeing these uh, very short, punchy courses, it's going to open up a lot of options for the racing community, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all very upbeat about it, and quite rightly, I think. Uh, Shane, I don't think any of us have quite been graceful enough to give kudos to the artists. I mean, there is hundreds of hours, maybe thousands of hours, gone in, into producing this much detail, I think. Oh, look, cats playing patter cake, patter cake with a little toolkit. Have you seen those? Uh, and the people yeah, dancing yeah, yeah. and dance, dance revolution and all. Oh, look, fabulous. <laughs> Actually, they're, they're interesting things. Uh, but there is a ton of detail. It's not just what you see at the face value. If you change camera angles, some of the shop detail is there too. So the shops go deep into the buildings. They're not just sort of um, one JPEG, I guess, to put it in simple terms, on, on plastered on the front of a building. The, the buildings are 3D. And yeah, the arcade, if you jump into the arcade and use camera mode, I think it's seven or eight to go really high up and then zero to move around like a drone. You can see some of the detail they've put in there. Uh, lots of references to Scotty the Squirrel. There's, um, oh, I covered it in live stream, so I tried to look for some Easter eggs. I'm sure there's some hidden Easter eggs in there. So if any listener spots anything unusual, grab a screenshot, post up into the Zwiftcast listeners' Facebook group, and we'll have a look. I'm sure there's so much more we haven't seen. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, discovery has been quite a watchword for, from the Zwift team for, for a while now, actually, and I think this course really is about discovery. There are a couple of little kind of surprise views that I saw. I think I referred to one of them in uh, in the chat with, with Sarah, which were – Terrific. I mean, just, you know, the the, the, the the amount of sophisticated thinking and really hard detailed work that's gone into producing some of that stuff is is very laudable. Well done, Swift artist. Uh, your finest work, I think, without a shadow of a doubt. Mm-hmm. 
Well, you know what, boys? We're going to have to do it. We cannot shirk it. We must not duck it. Yes, we need to pronounce, as I'm sure the whole of the Zwift community is literally on the edge of their seats to find out what we think on he who must not be named, the Lance. Hey, gang, what the heck is Swift? Well, late to the party, the great polarizer seems to have discovered our little game for the fun of it, because he loves cycling, or because it's a great promotional tool for Lance and his various business interests. Well, perhaps a mixture of all of those. Whatever the reasons, and we'll not be hearing them anytime soon from him, I don't think, the Lance now leads a regular weekly ride, which we must assume is at the very least assisted by, if not actively endorsed, by Zwift HQ. And it's popular. The first one attracted thousands, and if they continue, I'm pretty sure they'll grow and grow and grow. So, what are we to make of it? A reluctant though I am to raise the great Lance debate because he's so tired, there's nothing new to say. It is probably right that we do share our opinions on his um, kind of serious arrival on Zwift. So, me, here we go. This is what I think. You know what? I think it's fine. Life moves on. Lance has reinvented himself. I like his Tour de France podcast. I think it offers real, genuine insights. Yes, he did some bad stuff, very bad stuff, but in the context of what other bad stuff that other bad people did in a bad time for cycling, then maybe he was badder. But the whole thing, with very few exceptions, was just bad at that point. Uh, often elite sports people are not really very nice people, if you know what I mean. Perhaps you can't be nice and be the best in a punishingly tough sport. So, come on board, Lance, is my view. This is not an all is forgiven, but it is a recognition of uh, that what he did needs placing in context, and that it was a long time ago, and everyone must be capable of redemption, or at least be given the opportunity of redemption. So that's me. Uh, it might be controversial. Who knows? Almost anything that anybody ever says about Lance is controversial. Shane, where uh, where are you standing on this one? Look, can I just go on record that I've never tested positive for joining a Lance <laughs> ride on Zwift? And no, it's at about 3 a.m., I think, my time. And no, no topical cream could be rubbed into me hard as... Getting me up that early in the morning. Actually, that's probably a bad way of saying it, but you know what I mean. Um, Amp Human is not involved in this at all. Um, I'm just going to try and drop other Lance sponsors in there at the same time. I've forgotten them all because I ignore them. Um, look, he's an inter from an entertainment point of view, from somebody who has been on the inside of the sport, maybe too close to the inside of the UCI too at the same time. Oh, shit, am I getting myself in more trouble here? Um, he's, it gives us good insight. It's He is an entertainer. Look, what he did was, as you said, bad. It was very bad. There was a lot of bad actors, I believe, at that time too. Um, but look, he's human. And at the end of the day, we don't want to crush people. We don't want to stomp them down. And if anybody just wants a little bit of a step back from all of the let's hate Lance stuff, have a look at how Lance has reached out to Jan Ulrich in recent times. It gives me goosebumps thinking about what he's done. He went over there to visit him. Um, Jan Ulrich was going through some hard times. And Lance stepped in and said, mate, you know, you know, what can he do to help out? And um, I think Jan come over to Lance's, was it 50th birthday or 60th? Or was is Lance 80? How, how old is Lance these days? He's, he's looking pretty old. Um, 
Jan came over and they they hung out together and it's just like look these these are people are humans and um I, I respect what he does now I really do um you, you can't forgive what people have done in the past um but I, I tell you what here's a little secret his 2003 tour pretty much got me on a bike I was watching yeah, this wow. superhuman this superstar get talked up yep. in the media and look you know, I, I'm not going to be hated on for for doing that because everybody was responsible for celebrating that at the time. And that got me into cycling. It's, it's why I'm sitting here today. Um, so I, I'm, I'm happy for that. And to see the guy who sort of implanted that legacy on my life, that, that's pretty cool. He's still around. He's still riding bikes. Um, a lot of people who have been um, dis, you know, discarded by the sport, never come back. They'll, they'll go away. They'll do another profession and that's it. That's the history. And it's, but he's still hanging around uh, thick skin, thick, very, very thick skin. You either love him or you hate him. But you can't deny those group rides are bloody popular. They are yeah. huge, really huge. Yeah. So, yeah, look, and that's, you know, that's the Lance effect, isn't it, Shane? As you, as you, as you know, you make an excellent point. Not only you, mm. but he is responsible for getting an awful lot of people onto bikes and into cycling, and certainly popularizing the sport in in America, where it always struggled for profile. So yeah, yeah, he did do bad things, but you know, I'm quite, I'm, I, I, I'm quite pleased to hear you. I think pretty much sharing my view that you know, yes, he was bad, but but things move on. And Nathan, uh, I, I'm going to put you down. Uh, I'm going to predict you as a believer in redemption. Yeah, definitely. Um, using whatever platform that we have for uh, affecting good in the world. Uh, should happen if Lance can turn what was bad into some sort of good that's great. Um, the only thing I can see people, you know, pushing back on that is what advantages could still, you know, be taken in any kind of way. But if it's paying things forward and really trying to, which I do see Lance doing that with a lot of this, he's getting people on bikes, um, you know, increasing the sport visibility around that. Uh, that's a great thing. Um, you know, the only place that I think people do have an issue is using the name and using the prestige in order to have gain still. But, um, I don't, I don't necessarily see too much of that going on. You know, we do mention the sponsors. We do mention the, um, gain around the podcast. People still need to make a living though. And, uh, and I think, it's mainly for good. So yes, I definitely uh, believe in redemption 100%. Interesting. Uh, welcome to Zwift, Lance, from all three Zwiftcasters, I think. Don't hate us for it, listeners. I know there will be some who do, but, you know. I mean, yeah. there is I mean, there is a reality that I have friends who are directly impacted, you know, and were angry, you know, and, and not happy with things that were taken from them, opportunities and things like that. Mm. But uh that is under, I mean, that was a part of the game at the time. And um, that's all been unearthed and taken care of in a lot of ways, I think. So, um, again, total believer in being able to turn things around. Yep. Yep. Okay. That's that. Let's please, 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 let's not have a debate on Inzucast listeners about it. It will bring, even in that <laughs> most civilized and intelligent of forums. I'm sure it would descend quickly, but you know he's he's here now. He's in Swift, and I think it's probably only right that uh, those three tell you what uh, what we think about that. Right on. 
Okay, well, let's press on. And we've got a cornucopia of tech tales to catch up on. Uh, not all tech, some a mixture of art and tech, which I'm going to call P- I'm going to call for PD3 or Pack Dynamics 3, now rolled out to all worlds on Zwift. Uh, there's lots of tech, go- tech going on under the hood to produce the art, which is much, much, much better looking pelotons and better behaved avatars. None of that rude jostling and riding through. Our avatars have learned some manners. Um, Shane, I absolutely love it. Huge improvement across the board. I think I've ridden now pretty much every world that's got PD3 in it, which is all of them. And uh, literally, I, I see no downside. Um, as you, are you as happy as I am with PD3? Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. When I saw it rolled out to, which world was it first? Was it London or, oh, I can't even recall because they quickly rolled it out everywhere. It just works and it just looks like how cyclists look. And I've said it many, many times before, cyclists are the biggest critic of how other cyclists look because we ride behind cyclists all the time. We ride in bunches. We know how bunches operate. And what we were seeing initially, when you jump on Zwift for the first time, you're like, oh, everyone's moving around kind of weird. Okay, I'll get used to that. Now, when you roll out for a slow bunch ride, it, it feels slow as it should because you're not jostling side to side and it's not a, a you know off from the gun like a race. Yeah, credit where it's you is it's absolutely terrific. I mean, Nathan, you've had some time with it now, both broadcasting and participating at the pointy end of racing. Uh, working for you? Yeah, I'm digging. Uh, it's assisting in being able to break away from packs. It's definitely uh, made things a lot more interesting when it comes to fighting for position, what we've seen a lot and we've talked a lot about in broadcast is the reality of, especially in the TTT riders getting argy bargy with each other and pushing each other's avatars around and not really recognizing where they might be wasting energy or reserving energy because they're fighting for those positions. So that's been really interesting to watch how teams uh, interact with the avatars um, together and the advantage they get out of that. The other thing it has brought up is the maybe need for some sort of awareness of when you are using uh, energy unnecessarily. So, you know, you have a situation where you don't, people might not recognize that they're fighting for position on a wheel. And so you're fighting with a teammate or somebody in the pack where you don't actually need to. So maybe a little bit of feedback from the game Telling draft you indicator? when, something like that? Yeah, yeah, something along a draft indicator yep. or indicating like what is actually happening with the avatars yep. around you. Because without that, you might not actually know why you're mm-hmm. positioning where you are on the road and how you're slotting in. So it has uh, raised that question as to how we're going to get that communication back from the game. But outside of that, really, ex- I mean, especially those experienced in 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 Zwift racing or packs, it, it just becomes really obvious actually, and I, I absolutely love it. I, honestly. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, well, let's not open up the um, the draft indicator thing uh, because we'll we'll save that for uh, for another discussion. But can you imagine PD three and a draft indicator? Yeah, it would be fantastic. Okay, uh, let's move on now. Uh, a, a moment of silent reflection and respect for a fallen comrade and a faithful servant, the hardest working trainer in the whole of Swift, has passed away. A moment. <laughs> Stop laughing. <laughs> yes, Tim Searle's Wahoo Kicker has shuffled off this mortal coil. It is no more. It is deceased. It is an ex-kicker. If ever there was to be a museum of indoor cycling, then surely Tim's kicker would be an exhibit. 
Check these stats. It's done 235,000 kilometers. In old money, that's 146,000 miles. That is 67 tours to France. <laughs> Tim reckons that's 270 days of riding 24-7, round the clock. Uh, interestingly, it wasn't the electronics or the flywheel that failed, but one of the structural metal structs, it, it cracked and sheared. I was quite surprised about that. Uh, and a bit disappointed, actually, because the kicks, I mean, every kicker I've seen looks like it's, be, it's made out of girders. I mean, they're, they're built like tanks, and I sort of saw them as being like the old computrainers, um, indestructible. Um, Shane, are my expectations too high on that? I mean, (laughs) that is a considerable mileage. Um, But what should be the durability of of these things be? Tim is, um, let's just call him an edge case. Yes, indeed. And and can I get the dad joke out of the way first and say it kicked the bucket? (laughs) Okay, with that out of the way, uh, look... I have a lot of trainers come through the Llama Lab. Um, so durability and long-term, I, I, I'm i actually a pretty poor judge of because I, I'm on a new trainer almost weekly. Um, I have a few in rotation that have been around for a few years, but I sort of use you know probably once a month or you know twice a month or something like that. So nowhere near the kilometers Tim's done. Of the trainers that I do know, though, some will last forever and some will last, well, an hour or so out of the box. Uh, everything else sort of... It's kind of falls but in between hard to put a finger on you know lifespan of a trainer um it really comes down to use and also environment because smart trainers are computers they have circuitry in them just like a computer so if somebody's leaving them out on their deck and the humidity is going up and down or they you know below zero temperatures or, or they sweat in their room and the humidity is super high and all the condensation takes place it really depends it's so variable for me personally, I'd want at least two to three good years out of a trainer before it gets to a point where I couldn't on-sell it. In other words, yeah. get rid of it before it becomes a problem. Um, I'd yeah. want at least Well, let me, on, on, on that, Shane, sorry to interrupt, but this That's is right. a really inter- interesting stat. I did some maths. Uh, never my strong point, so I got my wife to check it. He was much better at maths than me, and apparently is right. Tim's, if, 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 you, if you say an average Zwifter rides for an hour a day for five days a week. I mean, I know that will vary, but but an hour a day for five days a week, Tim's kicker would have lasted that Zwifter 25 years. Boom. Wow. <laughs> you know, which is not a bad lifespan for a product. Um, uh, you did a video in him, on him. Uh, the guy at Zero Friction Cycling has mm-hmm. a, a Neo, how had a Neo running continuously at 250 watts of power, because he he did that uh, he had a he had a Makita on it he did or or something but uh, he did that to um to chest, test chains uh, and he had a neo running 24 uh, seven um and when you did your video on him it had done 53,000 kilometers so I reached out to him this week and I and I said well when did it die and remarkably it died within uh, a few thousand kilometers of of, of um, Tim's kicker. The Neo died at two hundred and twenty-five thousand kilometers. Wow! You know, so that again is another for the average Swifter, like twenty-five year lifespan for a product. That's not bad, actually. In in a in a, in a in an age of built-in obsolescence, ever ever greater. That's not bad at all. Uh, Nathan, you hammer trainers, I would think, given your um, 
uh, given your power outputs and uh, frequency of racing, it, it, what are you riding at the moment? And it, you know, is the durability of the machine ever a, a worry for you? Do you think about it, or is it just there and it works? Yeah, I'm currently on uh, what is uh, 2020 kicker. Actually, um, it's it's fairly durable. I mean, I haven't actually broken a single trainer i don't think looking yeah. back so everything that i've been on has been uh pretty dang durable uh was on a hammer prior to that i think i may have pushed the hammer a little far and then i ended up uh, hacking it off to my kids but but uh <laughs> aside from that the, tr the kicker's been super super durable um no issues no issues there whatsoever yeah yeah, I know. I mean, twenty odd year lifespan is 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 well. We seem to be praising a lot of people this this uh, this podcast, but I think the, the trainer manufacturers are also worthy of praise for that. And um, Shane, I would have thought wheel on trainers are probably not likely to last as long. Uh, wheel on trainers. The biggest problem with those is the the roll the rolling drum where the interface is, and as soon as that gets roughed up, it'll start chewing through tires. And as soon as the tire starts to get roughed up as well, it'll start chewing that back. It's just uh, it just descends from there. They won't last forever. Uh, and the bearings on those are usually a little smaller too, and they operate at a lot higher RPM. That's why a lot of the older trainers just had such a whiny noise to them. Um, yeah, they spin a little faster. Um, yeah, again, is this like the taxi thing though? Like you hear of taxis lasting forever because they, you know, they never get cool. They never cool down. So is it the Tim and um, – uh, zero friction were they always using their trainers so they never sort of cooled down and warmed up they were just constantly on all the time i know tim always rides so that could be a contributor to that as well of why they lasted so long um but i think it's got a lot to do with the environment it could also be the rider too if you if you're whacking out big watts like that those if you're putting out like 1600 watt sprints that energy has to go somewhere um and eventually things break yeah yeah well true but 25 years is 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 is, is <laughs> a long period i think anybody thinking of investing in a direct drive trainer will be very very heartened by uh, to hear those kind of stats uh and indeed anyone thinking of, of doubling in the second hand market you know you you um, you're going to get a, something that's got a, a long expected lifespan quite 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 good news i think for once on uh the durability of modern products. Now, in other trainer news, we we'd kind of given up on any massive new slabs of innovation in the trainer market. I think uh, all of us here on the Zwiftcast thought that the great leap forward had already been made and any changes will be small, incremental ones. The revolution has happened and we're not getting another one. That seems to be the uh, the output of our combined wisdom. And we might still be right. But wait, what's this? A trainer that tilts. Isn't it incredible? Millions of people bike indoors, yet no one has built a stationary bike that actually feels like cycling. Well, we did, and it turned out to be awesome. Movity bikes feel just like you're riding outdoors. You can balance and steer, accelerate and brake, and fully engage legs, core, and upper body. The on-pedal feel is natural, because it's truly the only bike that has the physics right, like gravity and inertia. And it gets even better, because you can now ride freely in virtual spaces and even connect to your Xbox. Once the bike becomes the controller, the possibilities are endless, from eSports to interactive gaming. We're very excited, because as a community, we can now create experiences together that simply weren't possible before. 
The manufacturer is called Muo Versi. No, me neither. Um, and this thing looks a bit like a kicker, but instead of raising up and down, it tilts side to side quite a long way, actually. Um, according to Muo Versi, who say they will have a test centre opening in London soon, the tilt bike has electromagnetic resistance control, uh, rolling resistance, incline weight, acceleration, deceleration, and inertia are computed. I think they mean computerized, and embedded into a patented dynamic control algorithm. As our algorithm updates a thousand times a second, doesn't everything update a thousand times a second these days? The electromagnetic resistance control behaves completely as the physics would have it behave, whatever that means. In YouTube comments, they say that pricing will be on a par with competitors, which in this case I'm assuming will be the kicker bike. And certainly the promotional video looks impressive. Um, if this thing works as the video shows it working, actually it would be a big innovation, a huge innovation. But there's a big gap between a promotional video and an actual product. How big is that gap? Muaverti say a year from now. I think that's optimistic, Shane. Yeah, look, I, I poked the bear by calling them the IQ squared of indoor trainer bikes, um, and they didn't like that very much at all. But hey, you they went pretty hard on the media. I was part of the pre-release media stuff saying, oh, here, talk about this, this, and this, and this. I'm like, sure, can I have a trainer to test and put to the Llama Lab? Like, I'm going to be talking about something. It has to exist. No, it's not out for a year. I'm like, all right, well, let's let's wait a year. Um I, I, I need to see it. I need to see it. I need to put it through the Llama Lab test. Um just simply, yeah. let's just leave it at that. There's a, it, there's a number of products still on the market today that I'm waiting to pass the Llama lab test and the companies just bury their head in the sand and don't update them and don't fix their problems. Um, look, whilst I welcome innovation, I need to know if it matches today's standards before we start talking about how cool it's going to be for tomorrow's standards and tomorrow's uh, excitement. Um, a lot of promise here. Uh, it's good that they're getting people on the bike. They had it at the trade show the other week. Um, if they're getting a, a test center opening soon, that's great. Um, could I bring in the Lama lab test in a set of Asioma pedals and put it to the test? Let's see. If I can get to London, I'll try. Yeah. Yeah. No, it does. I mean, you know, it, it looks. I often wonder why these companies release promotional videos that, that do nothing but generate excitement when it is absolutely clear that an actual product is a long, long, long way away. Uh, I mean, I'll answer my own question here. They're probably looking for investment, uh, which is <laughs> which is why they do that. But um, I mean, it looks super promising, but. It also looks a long way from being ready. Nathan, if you watch the video, they specifically say the words that you say quite a lot, that they're using a bike as a controller for gaming. I mean, if they get that right, then this really is potentially revolutionary. Yeah, and what I thought was really interesting is that they were using a couple of different games, actually. I did see Zwift was in there. Yeah. I saw Descenders was in there as well, which is actually a game... Uh, early on in Zwift release that um, I know the developer, actually, he was a part of the Mixer crew a little bit. We were doing promotion for uh, Descenders actually early on with its release over on Mixer um, for Microsoft for a while. And, uh, you know, really interesting there that they're connecting uh, there and able to control that game through the bike. Uh, so, you know, this will add to the steering element. Um the element of 
being able to control your avatar with power-ups and actual controllers on the handlebars seemed really kind of cool. So there's a lot of options here. How it integrates into the Zwift world uh, is, a, is a whole other question, the interfaces and how they'll be used. But uh, if there's some custom, you know, customization that can happen here, uh, it'll be pretty cool. Uh, I do see the tilting perhaps being a little bit more aimed, though, um, at the Descenders type game or something along those lines where on Zwift, I do feel like it's more lanes uh, a little bit more, um, or maybe some of the controls would be used a little bit more for the steering there, but definitely uh, a lot of, lot of cool options here that uh, I'd love to see introduced into Zwift and, and racing on Zwift actually. Well, if it became a thing, I think what it would do would be encourage the development of different types of games that utilized its advantages uh, uh, and maybe you know Swift would start doing more if you um, if you had a bike that did like different stuff like like this looks like it might but oh, you know I think it's a long way off I think it's a long 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 way off we will watch with great interest as I'm sure the Swift hardware people and Wahoo and Tax Garmin are also going to be watching with great interest okay last little bit of tech stuff and this is going to come up again and again and again over the winter as the news slowly percolates the Zwift community and it's sure to provoke a reaction and now the details if people are interested are over on the Zwift forum but in short if you have a pc running windows 7 or 8 then towards the end of this year beginning of next Zwift will no longer work on that machine the same applies to older versions of iOS, Mac OS, and Android. Some of the machines with these operating systems will be able to be upgraded for free to newer operating systems, but some potatoes won't. That means a new computer or tablet. Um, Shane, the technical term for this is deprecation, and it happens a lot. Why? What? Why do companies stop people owning hardware being able to use their products? Once a potato gets too old, it's very expensive to support. And every time something new comes along and innovative, such as a tilting bike that needs some kind of Bluetooth 5 or something like that, then if they still support these older potatoes or the older hardware and software, they have to go back and, and just test that against all these other builds. And look, if you add up all the combinations of operating system builds plus hardware plus operating systems, you'll be into the hundreds of thousands of combinations of hardware that could run Swift. It's insane. And a lot of the problems will be weighted down the back end because there's no developer attention to that. There's no, like the forefront is always the current model. Now, speaking specifically on Windows 7, uh, mainstream support for Windows 7 ended in January 2015. Extended support, if you were to pay for extended support or have corporate support for that, that ended in January 14th, 2020. So if Zwift today, right now, still supports Zwift on Windows 7, that's even longer than Microsoft will support Windows 7. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. if the manufacturer yeah. can't support the operating system, there's no way an application developer such as Zwift can be, you know, uh, can be held responsible to support that operating system and their platform running on it. Um, it's just a bit of a mess. But I, I believe, look, it's a long time since support for Windows 7 ended. And most systems that can run Windows 7 can at least upgrade to Windows 10 for free. Um, look, 
this is the price of progress. And yeah, at the absolutely. end of the day, I don't want to push people towards the Apple TV if they're a PC or a Mac person, but for less than $200 in anybody's currency, you can get Apple TV 4K Gen 2 that will just run Zwift fine, so much better than any Windows 7 machine that won't run Windows 10 anyway. So uh, there's many technical details of why, but it's just the compatibility. Um, the potatoes hold back everybody else. So throw out your potatoes, don't hold everybody else back, let them do their thing. The same with every other company, including Microsoft, who've ended support for it. And uh, yep, the future looks bright. Yep, yep. Uh, Nathan, controversial analogy coming up here. A bit like COVID vaccines, these measures just make the world a better place for everyone, uh, not just those who are nudged, persuaded, or plain old forced into upgrading, but all Zwifters, because it thins out the potatoes. It's a potato cull. This is a good thing. Yeah, I well, I, I, you need me to respond on the uh, on on the measures of of COVID vaccine. That's a whole other topic that I don't know if we want to dive into. But uh, the, the thinning out of potatoes um, and the ability to um, upgrade everybody's graphics is a good thing. That's you know that is, that's just going to be a great thing, and not having to. Uh, manage all of these outdated PCs and their operating systems is just going to keep the updates coming faster. The QA team is going to have less to do. And because of that, we are going to end up with a smoother running game. You know, a lot of times we have these releases and we wonder why things weren't caught or, you know, this uh, game is crashing here and you get all these reports coming in. Sometimes that's just because there's some outmoded realities happening with a lot of these uh, machines and so uh, the upgrade. This is only going to be good for everybody across the board. I think really. Yeah, yeah. Um, we uh, we have a uh, a monthly, uh, well, twice monthly call with Swift, the three of us and, and a couple of other people for, for just uh, well, it's a very good forum actually. Um, that they tell us a, a little bit about things that are coming up and, and we give feedback both from ourselves and from the community and. Um, on this call uh, last week, um, I think Shane, you mentioned, we ganged up on them, actually. I think Shane, you <laughs> mentioned the old days where on the Zwift website, you could, for people who just cannot be bothered with tech and specs and operating system, you have, oh, the, for those people for whom that world is a complete mystery in, in, and a world in which they have zero interest, Zwift used to do... PCs, they used to do computers. This is a good computer that will run Zwift. This is a computer that will run Zwift a bit better. Uh, click on this link and buy it, and your worries are over. Um, Alienware, they were branded. I think they were a uh, Dell machine. Um, and uh, I think you raised it on, on that call we have with Zwift, and we kind of ganged up on them and said, you really ought to do that. It was just so simple. It would solve so many problems. And there seems to be a kind of flicker of interest in a couple of people's eyes. But that was a good scheme, wasn't it, Shane? It just took the pain out of it. I've still got two or three of them here. Um, I did have to jump through some hoops to get it upgraded to Windows 11, but it ran Windows 10 just fine. It was the Alienware R2. They were brilliant little systems. They just turned on and worked. It was it was a little bit, like probably three times as big as an Apple TV, but it was tiny compared to my big PC box. It just worked. I thought it would be good to have another Alienware Alpha machine out there we could just refer people to because people would like to spend the money. They're happy to spend a thousand bucks on a machine that just works. Bang. Some people just can't be bothered or don't have the knowledge or don't want to or not interested in doing all the research that is. But they want the top of the line. And that, that'll, give them, that'll get them very, very close. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. Bring back Alien Wars with it was a really good thing. That <laughs> uh, okay, moving on. Let's talk records. Uh, I'm claiming mine. Uh, I'm going to depart from the script here because it's. I think by the time I put those interviews in, it'll be over an hour before anybody's mentioned my lack of a drum mic. Um, so here's, here's, my, here's my record, okay? Here's, here's a couple of my Swift records. Here are my claims. Number one, a big claim this. I am the first Swifter. Seven years and 23 days ago, I recorded my first Swift ride. So if you don't count Eric Min, John Mayfield, and a handful of very, very early st- staff, I am literally the first Swifter. I mean, I, I think that's quite a good claim, that. <laughs> uh, this also makes me the longest-serving Swifter without a Tron bike. So that's that's two records in one for me. But um, <laughs> do you know what? They are a bit muddy, those records. Uh, I don't think the Tron bike record is, is really a recognised record, and I'm not even sure that the longest-serving non-staff Swifter is a proper record either. However, salvation may be at hand. Our good friend Eric Slangy has floated an idea that perhaps Swift Insider could be the home of world records on Zwift. A little like the London Times was the newspaper of record, but for a digital age. Um, I asked Eric for a bit more detail on that. Uh, Well, welcome back to Eric Slangy. Eric, what have you done? But you have agreed to be the the register, the chronicle, the the reference point for um, for these things. You thought this one through, dude. I mean, you're going to have a seat in judgment on you. It's it's the craziest good idea I've had this month. I think it's a great idea, and I think someone needs to do it. Um, and I I would love for it to live to live on Zwift Insider uh, because I think that would just that'd be super interesting content. But I haven't committed. I haven't like I haven't started building it out, anything like that. My the extent of my commitment is I put that post up on on Zwift Writers and asked for people to comment, and that was a, a great bunch of comments. Of course, possibly it's something that Zwift should be doing themselves, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. It's quite some undertaking, isn't it? It is, and I've one thing I'm considering is if I'm going to take this on, I think I might like set up a team. You know, get maybe get five people who are willing to to be in a group where I can. If someone submits a record, I'm gonna. I would just have a form they can fill out. Hey, do you think you got a record? Here's the form. Fill out all the fields, and then someone on the team picks it up, and they know they have the checklist that they have to go through to verify it or not. I certainly don't want to be the the one man arbiter of all world records at Swift. I have no desire to have that kind of authority. I don't know. It might happen. I'm I'm the one man arbiter of Zwift Strava segments now, and I certainly wasn't looking for that either. I think it's a needed service. I mean, the whole idea came from uh, Amanda Coker, who leads a she's an avid Zwifter, leads a group ride on Thursday mornings, and she had just set the 24 hour women's world record outdoors, and we were joking with her that she needs to do she needs to go for the 24 hour record on Zwift. And then the question was, well, what's the 24-hour record on Zwift? <laughs> no one knows. You're the guy to do, Eric. You will uh, have the full support of the Zwiftcast. I, I will count on your support. You can, do, be, you, know. you can be the, uh, the chair of the, the board, the, the verification I'm board. I'm busy. Oh, you're Eric. busy? I'm okay. very, very busy, mate. Very busy at the moment. Very, very busy. It's an excellent idea. The very best of luck with it. Thanks, uh, thanks Eric. Nice to talk to you, of course. All right, see you, always. 
Well, one contender for Eric's record books could well be Chad Tavernier. You remember Chad from as we've cast a bit back. He completed an imperial century outside with no saddle. He accepted a challenge from the Zwiftcast to then do it inside. And blow me down, he's done it. I caught up with him. Can I just apologise? I think this one was a bit tougher. Yes, Simon, this uh, this ride was certainly harder than the outside rise. A, I, I had no support during the ride, so I, I had to ride the entire ride, which was, I think, like four hours, 38 minutes, uh, without stopping, no breaks for water, no breaks for food, because, you know, riding out of the saddle on rollers, you just really don't have any option to take on food or water. And secondly, um, one thing that actually came up that has never had happened to me before is my right foot actually about halfway through the ride. I started to get an issue with a, with a severe uh, hot spot on the bottom of my right foot. And I almost thought it was going to have to stop because it was excruciatingly painful. Apart from the pain, apart from no food, apart from no water, apart from uh, a major hot spot, um, uh, how was it elsewhere, Chad? <laughs> I mean, it was truly four hours and 38 minutes of continuous nonstop pedaling at a, at a pretty substantial you know, power output uh, because I didn't want to... You know, I wanted to try to get the ride over with as quickly as I could because, you know, the, you know, the slower you go, you know, the longer you're just kind of, you know, prolonging the fact that you're not, you know, eating or drinking or anything. So I was just focused on just getting the ride done as quickly as I could kind of maintain the power for. Um, there's been some talk with Eric uh, Slangy, and uh, uh, we explore that elsewhere in the podcast, about Zwift Records. Um Lots of Swift records get set and broken. I can't really see this one getting broken, or even anyone else being mad enough to try. Can you? Let's you know. I you know the old saying is you know records are made to be broken. I'm sure you know. I'm, I don't have any doubts that you know somebody out there is certainly capable of doing it, and you know likely capable of doing it faster. Um, I mean, it is it is it is it is hard. It's some achievement, uh, Chad. I'm I'm pretty sure it's not for everyone, but uh, you said you were going to do it, and you did it. Uh, hearty congratulations! Well done from me. I wish he lived in Seattle. I just wanted a feature on the Zwiftcast called "Seatless in Seattle." Uh, but unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, he doesn't. He doesn't live in in Seattle. He lives in upstate New York. Uh, and I think Chad is mad in a in a very nice way. Chad, I don't mean to insult you, but that well, was some kind of crazy thing you did there. Uh, but back to Eric Eric Schlange. Um I mean, it's a great idea, Shane, isn't it, uh, to to have somewhere where we have verified to afford records because there's just no place for those. Oh, look, um, he's crazy trying to take this on and the responsibility of verification yeah. as well, trying to yeah. verify performances and things like that. Look, my first question is, does Guinness have a copyright on the world, the word world record? He's got to be careful not to step on any trademarks or copyrights or not that I'd know anything about that recently. So I'd, I'd just give a word of warning about that. Maybe they'd call them Zwift Bests or something like that. But also what I'd like to see is a Zwift Hall of Fame included in this too, because it's a few you know, notable right, yeah. Yeah, notable things or notable occurrences that have taken place. We need to attribute to the people who were responsible for it. Uh, first of all, 
whoever created Very Intense, the first attempt Very Intense. Now, he pops up on my um, uh, YouTube comments every now and then and reminds me of, oh, the guy created that segment, blah, 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 whatever. So we need some, you know, some, some credit where credit's due for that. Uh, we also need, I'm sure Julian Washington did something on Zwift. She needs to be, oh, yeah. her bridge, the bridge, we, you know, that, that needs to be recorded in history. Uh, Frank Garcia was also the first person to V Everest on Zwift. So not just the world records of the best. We also need some, you know, some key points, some key points to be remembered in the Zwift history. So I think it should include that too. But yeah, first of all, Eric, just go check on that copyright or the trademark or the IP stuff. I've, I've got a lawyer in Germany he can contact if he wants some, uh, some bad <laughs> advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's not get into that. Um, uh, but that Hall of Fame idea is great. Actually, uh, Nathan, maybe, you know, maybe in the much vaunted metaverse, We'll have a small part of the metaverse where you, you, you walk into the Zwift Hall of Fame and you meet Julian Washington and you meet Nathan Guerra. Because I, I think we could conjure up a record for you. <laughs> most exciting oh, Zwift broadcasting. Yeah, we go. Most exciting, longest, longest held broadcast on more Zwift. Zwift races than any person alive. That, I mean, that, that must be incontestable. I was in I was in contention for a long time with Tim and uh, and a few others when it came to the most miles on Zwift. That was a thing. There was there was like a leaderboard going on for a while. That was pretty cool. Um, things like that, like ho- people who have held that record, people who are in contention for that, would be kind of cool. That's going to be blown out of the water at this point, I think. But uh, yeah, that'd be that'd be kind of fun. A Hall of Fame area that you could kind of walk into. Very great. Yeah, that'd be good. Somebody do it. It won't be us because we just, we just, we, we just say, wouldn't it be we nice? We just give you things to do. <laughs> We're ideas, we just, people. We're ideas, people. We don't execute anything. <laughs> yeah, we just leave the work to everybody else. But it actually would be, it'd be a great idea, that. It'd be a really, really good idea. Okay. Uh, well, just a few, 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 few little things before we say goodbye. Um, now, this is, is, is not a proven hypothesis, and in fact, I'm just about to demolish it, but it's quite an interesting way of thinking about things. If the Peloton share price is a proxy for the health of the indoor cycling economy, then indoor cycling is in trouble. Actually, Peloton is not really an accurate proxy for the whole sector at, at all, because it's got lots of issues around its own products and services that have caused its share price to plummet in recent weeks. That said... There is a bit of a point here. It's going to be a very, very interesting winter for Swift as we get into December and the real, real proper, proper indoor cycling season really, really gets going. Uh, The question is, can the gains made in the explosive growth that we saw during the pandemic era era be held onto? Um, Has the digital indoor fitness bubble burst, I guess, is the question. Shane, difficult to find accurate evidence, I guess. I mean, we will have our peak Zwift coming up in January, but even that is not rock. Well, it's quite good evidence, but it's, you know, it's only one one, one little metric. Um, you talk to lots of people in, this, in the industry. Do, do, do you feel the pandemic bubble will have some long-lasting consequences or was it literally a bubble and things are going to drop back? Oh, dear. 
it, it's it, this is really really complex because we have well March eighteenth last year twenty twenty was was the day for indoor everything because that's when the world got locked down or North America got locked down and everyone went inside. Uh, that was huge, uh, massive massive uptick for everything indoors, um, and it sort of came down a bit. And then in winter winter season last year was still up pretty high. I think we're back to normal levels now. My concern is twofold though, and I may have discussed this previously. First of all. Uh, does indoor cycling or indoor activity remind people of lockdown? So will they shun it? Will they go, you know what? It's not too bad. Let's go outside and ride. So we don't want to remind people of it being, here's your lockdown. You weren't seeing family. It was a pretty poor time in the world. And, you know, do you really want to go back and do that? Or do you want to go outside where the sun is kind of shining? You know, I'll put up with that. It might be raining. Let's go. Um, so things need to be new and innovative. They need new in, you know, in incentives to ride indoors. And so that brings me to the second front of this is there's no new products. It's void of anything interesting happening. There's a few things here and there. We have the Elite Riser, which is pretty cool um, in limited quantity out there. Um, but we have no new trainers. We're not seeing like the third generation trainers. We're not seeing these new smart bikes come along. You know, that has to be the go-to. We're not seeing these new Alienware Alpha systems that everyone should upgrade to and get better graphics. You know, it's just nothing to incentivize people. I'm somebody who loves new toys and new tech. And if I've got a new power meter, I'll go out and ride for three hours for five days in a row. I love it. I need something new to look at or think about. We need that excitement. Um, Zwift are in a position to do that with software. They have with this new Nokia. That's kind of cool, but they need to keep that ball rolling. They need to get that incentive there for people to look at something new, something fresh. Um, we just haven't seen that on the hardware front. Peloton-wise, I well, I don't keep a track of what Peloton do um, for, for obvious reasons. It's not really my, uh, my cup of tea. If they're not innovating, if they're doing the same thing over and over again, it's going to get a bit stale after a while. So I still think they are a good proxy though for the whole sector um, because that's what the general population are doing. Um, I'd have to say Zwift's success can be slightly attributed to Peloton success. Um, big in North America, Zwift also big in North America. Um, it's the hardcore, you know, Peloton, I guess, which is Zwift. It's the cyclist's Peloton. Um Oh, it's, it's still very interesting to see. Uh, trends.google.com is very interesting to have a look. Um, but it's not – Zwift just aren't in this boat. It's everyone. It's everyone. Um, so even if you're an emerging platform, um, there's a few of those around that have been emerging for quite some time, they'll also be sort of getting you know, plateauing or going down. Not sure. I'm not sure. I've got my little user tracker on Zwift, and I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it bounce up around what we've seen maximum Zwift users around – just nudging about 28,000 concurrent online. Um, that's of a Tuesday night, I believe, UK time. Um, it, the line is trending upwards over the last few months, though. Where it touches, though, will we get to, was it 48,000 we saw? 47? Yeah. I was yeah, big Swift yeah. last year. I'm not, I'm, actually I'm, not sure, I'm not sure it'll be that big. I mean, the, the key thing for me is how many of the newbies have they held on to? Yeah. And are, are newbies it's it's definitely yeah. been a bubble, though. There has been a bubble. Um, but yeah, has been like, a bubble. Are people hung over from that bubble? I hope not. I hope not. Yeah. If not, there's going to be a lot of cheap trainers out there. Get a bargain. Yeah, yeah. I mean, us three are a bit guilty, I think, of seeing things through our, only our own eyes, and we just want constant change and innovation because we've mm-hmm. been on the platform a long time. But, Nathan, I still see plenty of anecdotal evidence of growth of people discovering Zwift for the first time. It, you know, at least in my world, I mean, there was somebody on – I'm a member of a couple of cycling clubs here in, in Leeds, and there are still people – who, oh, oh, we've seen this with thing. I quite fancy that. What do I need to get started? You know, I, I, I'm still seeing anecdotal evidence like that. Um, 
are you you know do you think there's there's growth left uh, yeah and i do think that the type of user is different than the peloton user and that'll be why the zwift market sticks a little bit more um i just think that the needs that are the the needs and the wants of the user that's on zwift and also their capability of jumping on um is just a little bit different than the peloton user and the investment that goes into getting on zwift once you're on you kind of have this whole setup um so i just think that with that the energy that goes into it the thinking that goes into it just keeps the users on there and i do think that um on the other side of that there is okay do we have a bike that just is uh plug it in and go <laughs> so that there's an opportunity for growth uh but right now yep. i do think that uh, a lot of the people who have invested in having a zwift setup will stay because of how you invest in a zwift setup yeah, yeah. we know that story don't we get on with the hardware zwift i know they're trying their best <laughs> um okay i've not seen this yet change of subject i haven't seen this yet because uh i'm moving house at the moment listeners um 20 some years we've been in this house the, the family house quite a big emotional wrench to leave it but apart from the big emotional wrench uh, i've had 25 years of crap to sort through and decide what is keeping and what is uh, what is going uh and i'd just like to give listeners the results of my 25 year long experiment in hoarding things that come into the category of it might come in handy one day <laughs> Can I tell you, listeners, after a 25-year-long experiment, the answer to that is it hardly ever does come in handy one day, <laughs> uh, which means I've had an awful lot of stuff to throw away. Uh, but anyway, that's the reason I haven't seen the GCN documentary on our great friend Rachel Elliott, um, but I'm told it's absolutely excellent. I mean, Rachel is the most amazing story. We've chronicled it very, very closely here on the Zwiftcast. For those tiny number of people who don't know Rachel's story, she made an incredible comeback to cycling uh, after a stroke that almost killed her uh, while she was swifting. Shane, I think you have seen this this film, and um, uh, I mean, I've seen the trailer. It looks terrific. Yeah, it's over on GCN Plus, which should be available worldwide. Uh, it was available here in Australia, so I saw that pop up, and I, I know quite a few of those people uh, who were involved in the uh, in the documentary. So I sort of had a, a, a bit more of an insight into the story. But uh, look, go and watch it. Rachel is an amazing person. She has an amazing support network too. Uh, it's a good human story. It's not just about bikes. Um, it's just about how she dealt with that. Um, and the fact that it's it's almost made her a better person if she could have become a better person. I, I'm not sure that's possible, but just go and watch the documentary. It's brilliant. I reached out to Rachel um, and said, look, you're an amazing human after watching that documentary. So uh, awesome. Just awesome. And lots of time trial stuff too. So I love a good time trial. So yeah. definitely worth yeah. it. I mean, you do have to pay to access GCM Plus, and I'm not normally in the business of plugging uh, uh, you know, or, strongly endorsing kind of other paid services but um uh, the quality of some of the stuff i've seen on there that, that kind of documentary material has been pretty good i have to say uh and rachel is a, a great friend of ours so maybe so i don't know if there's a free trial do that and watch the film who knows uh that's not a recommendation because i just don't know how it works i've been too busy with. i just bought it up and gcn plus came right up on youtube so yeah Cool. Okay. So there's a way of watching it. Try and watch it. Okay. Uh, uh, quick wrap up. I and mean, we sort of covered this, but I, I just think it's worth mentioning in passing just before we go. 
December next, within the next couple of days, and zero big moves from any of the so-called competitors to Zwift. Uh, apart from one, uh, RGT had a kind of relaunch last week. They moved away from their laudable in many ways, but very confusing double app model to one single app uh, and an optional companion, just like Zwift. It, that was never going to be an easy transition for them. Uh, uh, lots and lots of scope for further confusion there, which which did follow, actually. There were a lot of very confused people around. Brave decision that by um, RGT, Shane, but I dipped in and out just to see how many people were on, and the numbers there are still woefully small. I mean, there's just a tiny number of people on, on what actually is not a bad platform. Um, yeah, it was an in- interesting move by their technology. Uh, I think they were ahead of their time with what they were doing with the model because that did allow them to have the screen and the app separate or the control separate. That allowed them to do in-the-cloud processing of the graphics. So they they would not have a potato problem at all. People with any phone could use this at full screen as long as you had decent internet connection. So I think they were probably five to ten years ahead of their time moving towards that architecture. I think the people sp- have spoken, though, with like, look, let's just get an app that works for us, please. We're used to you know loading an app, clicking it, making it work, interacting without having to load a separate phone. So there was brilliance but the usability became the problem uh other other news did we see that uh full gas is now owned by iron man yes i noticed that yeah very yeah, interesting yeah, yeah. I mean, that that's a huge move i think um nothing changes on the platform for full gas uh locally produced here out of melbourne by uh mike um and the crew doing great things i believe that that, that conflicts again with ruby who i think had iron man for a while there so yeah. just a few shufflings there in the indoor space very interesting um but good to see uh full gas a very popular platform um get the funding of the giant iron man corp yeah yeah no i did see that i kind of dismissed it because it's just not my world you know it's, it's, it's that's all triathlete business that's all for the sockless and i just um yeah not not part of my world so it didn't have a big impact on me but it's, it's, it's a reasonably Significant move, as you say. Actually, uh, I'm a pretty wealthy, uh, wealthy operation. I think. Um, well, they should be, given the amount they charge for people to do those things. Uh, Nathan, nothing from Frank Garcia and Cade, despite some promises. Nothing from Niels and Veloton, or whatever it's called at the moment. Uh, that seems to be the eternal vaporware. Uh, Wahoo have system with no vowels. Uh, obviously, um, but that's not really a Zwift. I mean, it looks quite interesting, but it's not really a Zwift alternative. Looks to me, again, like the big Z is not going to be terribly troubled by fighting off anyone coming up fast on the rails this winter. Not that we can see, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, as far as uh, any competitors go, it does seem like the space is uh, pretty much dominated at this point. Um, you know, I do see a couple of the esports teams, you know, uh, dabbling around in a couple of the other platforms uh, here and there. I do see some posts on social media and things. And uh, competition, there's, I mean, it's cool to see. Um, but at the same time, the, the I don't really see um, those platforms or those series really taking off at the moment in any kind of way, in a way that's competitive. And the reality of the way that... Um, you know, we, we've mentioned many a times the way that WTRL has kind of taken the esports uh, community by storm in a lot of ways. And, and I mean, this is just a, a mainstay of uh, virtual racing now at this point, I think, and where people are 
what do we do next? Okay, where's the next race? It's going to be coming down the line pipeline from WTRL. So with the Zwift Racing League, uh, really well established, you know, as far as in that scene, from what I watch, I, I don't see anybody competing whatsoever right now. No, me neither. The way the way is clear, Zwift, for you to have a good winter, I think. Um, so uh, we will watch as we always do with great interest. Okay, that's it, boys. Um, Nathan, are you, do you want to tell the listeners you've been stricken by the terrible virus? Yeah, well, it's been a couple of, I spent about a solid two weeks on the couch and now uh, slowly recovering. So I was hoping to be racing strong on Zwift right now, but I think uh, just going to slowly jump back into fitness as, uh, yeah, had COVID for a little bit, but uh, definitely on the recovery path now. So I appreciate uh, all the support. There's been lots of it in the community, everybody, lots of people reaching out. So I appreciate that very much. So. Well, sorry to hear you got uh, you got stricken, and um, I I, uh, I hope you recover as rapidly as I know you will, because you're a very fit, strong person. So I'm sure you'll be bouncing back quickly. Uh, Shane, what news from uh, from Oz before we go? Uh, the sun is slowly starting to shine. So a lot, lot of outdoor riding, a lot of power meters coming through at the moment. Uh, quite a few different vendors in the market either upgrading or changing a few things around with their power meters. So any excuse to get out for a ride and the magpies have stopped. So uh, no longer death from above, but the snakes have started. And I had one rear up at me. I was riding along. I had the camera off. I'm like, oh, da, 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 da. this is just not even a gravel road. In the... And then I look at this stick that turned around and it, it's like looking at me with its head in the air. I'm like, sticks don't do that. That's not a stick. Oh, shit. And off I went. And then I had to spin around because I'm like, that's good um, Instagram material. So I went and I gave it a bit of hell to get some uh, Instagram shots of it. Beautiful little snake. I believe they call them the common brown snake, which is the second deadliest snake in the world. Well, they, I think they call it the king brown. But, um, yeah, I had to dodge one of those the other day. Um, but looking wow. forward to more of those. Yeah, they're, um, they're a bit of fun. So death from below now. <laughs> I think I you just exposed yourself to 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 the possibility of uh, uh, some comments there, Shane. I yeah, I can see the headline: uh, a famous Aussie cyclist dies by snake bites after trying to grab picture. <laughs> that Someone uh, stop I'm, the garment now. As long as I get the data, and I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> get, a, get a camera with a big zoom lens on it. That would be my <laughs> in, in circumstances. But now, okay. lots of riding coming up, both indoors and out. And I believe, do I, I get a hint of a few extra things coming up on Zwift? There's a Badge Hunter series coming up. And uh, yep. in January, we'll see the tour of what? Hope your tour is with one of those yep. two that are always so Zwift. We, we also have uh, championships. We have the qualifiers coming up this weekend. Yeah. We also have ZRL playoffs the following weekend, actually, for those who are going to Premier Division and the champions of ZRL. So lots happening in the next two weekends, actually, when it comes to the esports world. Yep. Cool, nope, cool. Not, They're all streamed too, so I'll keep an eye on those. And I will be logging on. I'll be jumping on my new kicker bike. I got. I bought Ooh. myself a new kicker bike. Uh, uh, first ride on it today. It tilts. Be- it goes uphill, Simon. Yeah, I know. Well, I was. Do you know? Funnily enough, I I, <laughs> I was wondering if I put it on its max setting, Shane, twenty percent. Do you think I'll get to the Tron bike any faster? But that would yes, be yeah. What's a what's? What's a what's? You can even put that on zero percent trainer difficulty. What's a what's? You still have to keep pushing those pedals. <laughs> you got to earn that Tron bike. Yeah, well, I'll jump on uh, to uh, for Eric Min's Thanksgiving ride, hoping for um, hoping for the uh, the the usual quota of Eric. 
indiscretions when he says things he's not supposed Ooh, to say. There's always a few Easter eggs there. <laughs> we'll catch up on that on the next episode. Thanks as ever, boys. Uh, Nathan, you recover fast, my friend. I'm, I'm confident you will. Uh, thanks very much, boys. Talk to you next time. Thanks, Cheers. guys. And once more, I'd just like to remind listeners that whilst we are supported by Zwift, and we are very grateful for that support... We are the ones who decide what goes in Zwiftcast, not Zwift. Thanks for listening. See you next time.